Hallelujah. Somebody tell their neighbor, neighbor, what a weekend. Come on, come on, come on. It's okay. Tell your neighbor, what a weekend. Say, what a weekend. What a weekend. My God, my God, my God. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online to our Saturday evening experience, our worship experience. Those of you that are here in the house, just raise your right hand and just declare how glorious God is. That song that the praise team was just doing, we dance on an empty grave, is a true thing. The grave of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is empty. Oh, come on, man. Come on, come on, come on. I said the grave of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is empty. Oh, I don't know if you understand what that means. I don't even know if you understand the implications. You see, if Jesus is still in the grave, then our faith and our, our belief system has no value. But the mere fact that he's no longer in that grave is a clear sign that you are saved. So I'm going to say it one more time. Like the praise team just danced and they just shouted, Jesus is no longer in the grave. Hallelujah. And today's conversation, I've been pondering on what to, what to say. At one point I asked a question, what happened to Saturday? Because yesterday was Good Friday. Tomorrow is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. But nobody really gives any attention to Saturday. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When was the last time you celebrated the Saturday of, 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 the, of the resurrection weekend? It's like blah, like what, you know, what is there to celebrate? After all, if I'm Peter, if I'm John, if I'm James, if I'm Bartholomew, if I'm Matthew, Saturday's not so good for me. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? If I'm living back then and I saw what we just saw on the visuals and I saw the one who healed the sick, the one who raised the dead, the one who, who cast out demons, the one who multiplied bread, being treated like this, a Saturday don't look too good. How many of y'all can relate? Okay. Father, we thank you for the revelation of Jesus and the gift of the spirit that teaches us all. I pray that even in these small moments in time, you will open our eyes and our ears to hear what the spirit is saying in Jesus' name. Amen. So I thought about calling the message, what about Saturday? But then as you guys are worshiping, I heard, what a weekend. So I've rephrased the message title to what a weekend. Because it's a, it, look, God is a Trinitarian God. Y'all know what that means, right? He's Father, He's Son, and He's Holy Spirit. Y'all know that, right? Okay, we serve a Trinitarian God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So it made sense to me why, why we shouldn't just focus on Friday or just focus on, 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 on Sunday, but rather we should focus on the entire weekend. Because something took place on every day of that weekend that made this weekend extremely special. This is the only weekend on the planet that we live on that everybody, whether you believe or you don't believe, whether you accept or you don't, whatever the case is, you pause and say something's different about this weekend. Young people hear me. Those of you watching. There is something different about this weekend. 
So one, one more time, tell your neighbor or your person a couple of halls down from you or wherever you're watching, just type it in the joint and say, what a weekend. Say, what a weekend. Last week, of course, you know, we're, we're still talking about this Him and You series and we're dealing with Christ in us, the hope of glory, Christ in us, the way, the truth, and the life, Christ in us, the resurrection and the power. And, but I want to pause and recognize that, you see, this Christ that we're talking about, he had some, some stuff that he dealt with too. And so the next time you, 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 you're faced with a challenge, you're faced with a, a difficult task, and you're saying, but God, I don't think you get it. No, I don't think you get it. Because the weekend that I'm getting ready to describe and I'm getting ready to read portions of in the scripture describes a man that went through hell, literally. Oh, we're going to get there, y'all. What a weekend. I talked about the character. I talked about the conduct. I talked about the action and the attitude of those that are indwelled by the Spirit of God. And we're going to see Jesus' action, his attitude, his character, and his conduct, even while they were mistreating him on the cross. If you hear some of this stuff, I don't know if you read the story lately, but I found myself reading Matthew 26, 27, and 28, and, 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 and all of that encapsulates Jesus' weekend. Huh? This is a man like you and I, the Bible says he was tempted with every single temptation you can think about, yet he was not found to be in sin or to, or, or to sin. He was a man that sweated in the garden of Gethsemane. He, he bled drops of blood because of the, 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 the pressure of considering the task that the father had asked him to accomplish. Look, man, Jesus is in that garden talking about father. I don't know if you saw in that scene, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, I got to give a shout out to them because they did an exceptional job describing the story. But in that scene in the garden, they're speaking Aramaic, but Jesus is praying and he's praying, he's travailing, he's, he's under pressure. You know, there are days when things seem impossible and you're in your prayer closet and it's like, man, it just feels like my prayer just not getting to where I want it to go. How many of y'all can relate? I'm feeling the pressure. I'm feeling the pain. I'm feeling the, tur the, the turbulence of this, of this situation. And Jesus is praying and he's praying. And guess what? He brought his best friends with him. It's, it's good to have godly friends, you know. It's very necessary. When you go through hardships, you don't need just some old flaky friendship. Somebody who don't understand how to go into prayer with you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody who, who you, you don't want somebody to tell you, oh, don't, don't pray, man, you better, you better slap her. After all, don't you see what she posted on your IG? Oh, come on, act like you can't relate. When somebody pushes your button and you want to respond and your character is tempted to go out of bounds and your conduct is about to show nothing like Christ, you need some prayer partners. And Jesus took his prayer partners with him. This is, I'm talk, this, is, this is Thursday night, by the way. Friday, I'm sorry, Friday. You know, that little in-between. And Jesus said, I need you to come and pray with me. Check it out. In the garden, they're praying. Jesus goes off to the side. You know, you need your intimate time with the Father. So he goes to the side and he's talking to the Father and he's petitioning. And he's saying, you know, if it was possible, if there is another way, let this cup pass. Because I'm feeling the pressure. Then he goes on to say, nevertheless, hey, let there be a nevertheless in your conversation with the Father. Nevertheless, it is not my will, but let your will be done. And then he comes out. And, he, you know, you would think that Jesus, who has trained these men 
Peter, James, and John, how to pray and how to intercede and how to go in, you would think that by now they've learned the lesson and they're praying with him. But guess what? They got their mouths wide open. Peter snoring, James drooling, and John rolling on the rocks. They're not praying. Jesus comes and he wakes them up. This happens three times. And he said, he said, could you not tarry with me for one hour? How many of you find it difficult to pray for just one hour? Just one hour. Come on, be honest with yourself and with God. One hour, but you can spend eight hours. Some of y'all check your screen time. Your average is eight. I'm talking to myself. There's no shade in this room. But some of us, our screen time is eight hours. We're scrolling up somebody else's timeline, trying to see what their day looked like, looking at their filters, and wondering, how can I be like Jim? Eight hours. But one hour of prayer is difficult. Let me tell you why it's difficult. Because the enemy understands that when you tap into the place of prayer, something begins to happen. And so he'll fight your prayer life. He will fight your efforts to pray. Last night, we had a powerful time. Every first Friday of the month, if you're a young adult or a youth in here, join us for prayer. Every first Friday from 10 to midnight. Last night, we had about 13, 14 young adults on there praying, travailing, pressing in. And God began to use some of us to prophesy certain things. Look, don't play with prayer, young people. Prayer is power. Say with me. Say prayer is power. Say prayer is power. Like you're expecting your phone to charge without it being plugged to the wall. Hello. A lot of y'all can relate. I see around in these buildings, when you come to church, you plug your phone in the wall. You don't need it. Yet you are fighting to keep your charge if you would treat your spiritual life the same way. Oh, If you will just stay plugged into the power of the Holy Ghost. When challenges come, and that's what Jesus is doing in the garden. He said, I'm getting ready to go somewhere deep, so I need to pray. Hallelujah. So Jesus goes and he's praying. Now, if you notice in that scene, as, right after he comes out of prayer, oh my goodness, this is, this, Jesus is something else. Right when he comes out of prayer, he meets his friend, Judas Iscariot. I'm painting a picture so you can see what happened in that garden, what happened for, for our God on that weekend. Say, what a weekend. This is somebody that you have treated like a friend. When Jesus multiplied the bread, how many basketfuls were left over? Twelve. Guess what? One of them went home with Judas that weekend. Oh, somebody better listen to me. This God provided for Judas. Not only that, he gave Judas a great position in the ministry. He said, you be the treasurer. Yeah, I know Peter must have been mad about it. Man, you don't know that dude like that. You know, you heard, you heard his background. You, I heard Judas steal the money. Jesus said, let him do what he got to do. What kind of God is this? Some of us, I know, if we found out that somebody was picking our pocketbook, I don't care how much of a friend you are, we throwing these things. I'm laying holy hands on you. That's what I mean. In case you misunderstood the pastor. We're going to be at the altar and I'll be saying, now confess. <laughs> you will confess today. In Africa, we do what's called sasewood. We bring witch doctors. We heat up the, the machete and we say, now bring it. Nah, Jesus ain't doing no sassy wood. He knew what Judas' heart was. Yet, when he's in the garden and he's coming out of prayer, and hey, somebody listen to me. He knows what the outcome is. Judas meets him. He says, friend, where you coming from? Hmm. 
He said, this is the same man who at the table when John asked him during the Passover feast, he said, who is going to betray you? He said, the one who dips his hand in this with me is the one who's going to betray me. So you think Jesus said, no, he knew, but yet his heart and his compassion for people far outweighed the deception and the wrong treatment that he was going to receive. I talked about character, conduct, action, and attitude. This Jesus. Say, what a weekend. I mean, come on, man. What, what a weekend it was. So Judas comes and he braces him with a kiss. And right away, they snatch Jesus up. Oh, somebody, I'm getting ready to read this story so you can see some things. Hmm. The Bible says in Matthew 26, 56, at that point when they snatched Jesus up, look at what the Bible says in Matthew 26. They say, but all this, listen, Jesus was something else. But all this, Jesus is something else. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Listen, all of that, all of that stuff I just talked about was prophesied. He made sure that every action that he took was according to the word. Young people, don't miss this. Some of us are praying reckless prayers and expecting to get answers. I got news for you. If you're not in the word, seeking the will of God, pursuing the will of God, your prayer is an empty prayer. If your walk and your talk and your action and your attitudes aren't in alignment with the will and the word of God, you are wasting your time. Everything that Jesus did down to the T was to, was to fulfill scripture. And that's what it says here. But then look at the next line. It says, then all, say all. Not some, say all. Including John, who called himself the beloved. Including Peter, who was called the rock. All forsook him and fled. And the God of the universe began to understand physically what loneliness looked like. And you want to say God don't get it? When people betray you? You want to say God don't understand when people backstab you? Say what a weekend. Because God understands. All of his friends abandoned him. All of his friends left him. But he had a secret. He said, you know what? Me and the father were always one. So I'm not worried about that. Don't be worried about that when people leave you. When they leave, they wasn't meant to be there in the first place. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. When people leave your life, you go ahead and write them a thank you note. Thanks, buddy. You just showed me where I need to focus on. I'm not even going to start talking boyfriend and girlfriend business. Because as far as I'm concerned, you should be preparing yourself to be married. When that young man leaves your life, tell him, sayonara, sucker. You wasn't meant to be. Don't go chasing him or chasing her. Especially if they're outside of the will of God. That ain't even the sermon. I just, that was bonus. Okay, so let's look at the story now. So after he's been captured, after he's been abandoned, what a weekend this was. We're going to go to verse 39 to 46 of Matthew 27. I want us to go through a few things here. I want you to consider Jesus. This is after they've beat him on the back. Man, I said when I watched it, I was watching the Passion of Christ, that little clip earlier, and tears began to, to well up in my eyes because I began to imagine, y'all, this is an innocent man being treated like this. This is a man who had nothing to do with what he's being accused for. I mean, oh my goodness. And then, I mean, they beat him in the flesh. I mean, all of this stuff. 
After all of that, they nail him to the cross. This is Friday. And then this is the scene at the cross. Imagine this. We're under the cross. Imagine this. Jesus is up here. And imagine a crowd up here. Look at what they begin to say. And those who passed by blasphemed him, shaking their heads or wagging their heads. This is on Friday. As if to say, look at you. Look, go to the next one. They're disgusted. They, they shook their heads walking by and they were saying, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. These are the same people that he gave bread and fish to. He healed their aunts and their uncles, healed their children, made an impact in their community. He is on the cross and he's dying his last breath. It's coming out of him. And they're walking by blaspheming him and saying, look at you, you claim to be God. Man, save yourself. <laughs> then they're going to say, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Now, when I read this, something happened in my mind. I said, my goodness, this sounds like the undertone of Lucifer himself. I went back to the temptation in Luke chapter 4. And the word of God says, he came to Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread, didn't he? Sometimes people will come and tempt you and you don't even know who's speaking behind the scenes. They think they're speaking from their heart, but they're literally teleprompters for the enemy's voice. Their mouths are being used to provoke you. Don't you dare come down from that place that God is placing you. Oh, my God. See it, see it, see it. They're, they're speaking to him because, you see, Jesus has said some stuff. He literally said some stuff. And I'll go to it. They said, you, you who destroyed the temple and you, you claim that you were building in three days, save yourself. I got, I, got, I got news for them and for some of us here today. Jesus never came to save himself. The whole while the Bible says he was up there, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. My goodness, somebody catch it. When he was up on that cross, he looked at me and said, there's going to be a young man named Vonnie. He's going to be a mess. That one's going to need saving. There's going to be a young man named whatever. That one's going to need some salvation. A young lady that, I, look, look, I see. He saw you. So he said, I'm not coming down. I don't care what you say. It's, it's like when Nehemiah was building the wall and Tobias and Sanballat said, oh, you need to stop what you're doing. He said, I'm, too, I'm doing too great of a work here. Don't allow the people to distract you when you're doing the will of God. Your conduct, your character, your accent and your attitude must be in alignment with what is said about you in Christ. He said, I ain't, look, he ain't even paying me any mind. Okay? This was literally... Go to verse 41 real quick. This was literally an attack against his identity. If you're the son of God, if you claim to be born again, if you claim to be saved. How many of you have heard that this week or the last couple of days or even in the last year with COVID and all this stuff going on? I'm sure there's been a thought that run by you, ran by your mind that, you know, you, you, what happened if you saved? Why are you suffering like this? Likewise, listen and listen to who's Listen to who's doing this stuff too. It says, likewise, the chief priests also mocking the, with the scribes and elders. These are the people of religion in the community, you know. It wasn't the sinners, quote unquote, the prostitutes. The, the, no, 
It was the elders. It was the scribes. It was the chief priests. Be careful when you start acting like the chief priests around here. Where you feel like you too, you too up there in ministry. and I don't know who this is for, but this is for somebody. Because you have arrived, you can't submit yourself to God. You will find yourself developing an attitude like them that says, look, look, look all this Jesus talk, it, it don't take all that. Mm-hmm. It will happen to you. Because pride is the mother of all deficits when it comes to knowing who Christ is. Go to the next verse. Same thing. This is the chief priests and the scribes. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Then they're going to say, if he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. All this has happened on Friday. They're challenging his motives. They're challenging his ability and his power. If, 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 if he is the king, if he is the son, if he's able to save, look, you think God is looking to prove anything to you and to me? The one proof that he told them, listen, 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 a couple of chapters back, they said, if you're this, if he said the only sign, he says, a wicked and a corrupt and a pervert generation asks for a sign, but the only sign that I'm going to give you is a sign of Jonah. I'm going to go into the ground and in three days, Somebody don't miss it. I will come out. This is day one and they're talking smack. They forgot that there are three days that he mentioned. You see, your beginning is nothing like your end. Oh, somebody hear me. The way it looks now is not the way it's going to look at the end of the story. They're looking at your day one and they're saying you will not amount to nothing. I know what I'm talking about because somebody said that about me too. Look at the way that pastor's son, look at him. He won't be anything. My day three has come. Christ is alive in me. Hallelujah. Your day three has come. Christ is alive in you. So let them talk in your infancy. Let them say what they want to say. I told you, some people's mouths are just teleprompters for the enemy. They're shooting their shot hoping that you will fall. They say all kind of loose stuff to you. Let them talk. In this story, Jesus does not respond to one of them. You should too. Do what he did. He said, oh, come down, we'll believe. At this point, they wasn't going to believe. Jesus told him, he said, even if a man come out of the grave, you still won't believe. So their minds were set. Unbelief was their portion. Next verse. It also goes on to say, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Do you know the number one reason why they killed Jesus? It was not because of the food that he provided. It was not because of the miracles. It was because of his claim that I am the son of God. Because in their mind, they had their own definition of what the son of God would be like. Their own messianic ideology. And the truth is, God is not lowering lowering the standard to appease me and you. He has his standard. You either meet him there or you miss him there. There's no, oh, you know, God is not, I heard somebody preach it this way. You know, uh, in the NBA, I believe the legitimate height of the rim is what, 10 feet, right? Is it 10 feet? It's 10 feet, okay? And I don't care how they lower the rim so you can dunk like Jordan or LeBron. You're not legit until you can hit 10 feet. You're not legit until you can get to the standard that is set. I am telling you, Christ is the standard. 
He is the son of God. No other way to get to the father but by him. But here they're saying, he's trusted God. Let God show for him. I told you, he didn't come to save himself. He came to save sinners like me and you. Next verse. Let's keep going. We're going to get there in a second. Then even, (laughs) these jokers, next to him were two robbers. Two dudes who have lived an entire life of crime. And they're up there dying. Jesus is innocent. And they even got the nerve to mock him. Can you imagine? You got the nerve. (laughs) You broke, busted, and disgusted. And you got the nerve to put your mouth on me. Okay, let me leave that right there. I'm getting ready to be real carnal real quick. You're not looking at your condition, but you want to look at mine. Some people are spending so much energy looking at your life that they're missing on their opportunity to go where God has for them. They are on the cross. They are dying instead of them, and eventually one of them gets it. Somewhere between there, one of them said, hold up, this guy is different. He don't deserve to be here. I deserve to be here. And it was at that point where the Lord said to, oh my goodness, somebody. He said today, say today. He said today, say today. You will be with me in paradise. The minute you come to the recognition of his lordship and his ability, oh, all of a sudden you enter into another level of faith and righteousness. But they reviled him. Next verse. This is Friday. Now, from the sixth hour, which is 12 midday, until the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., there was darkness over all the land. For the first time, if you were here last night for the the seven words, you heard different aspects of the experience on the cross. And for the first time, the Son of God was separated from the Father because of me and because of you. And so it broke Daddy's heart to the point where light stopped shining in the earth. As Jesus is up there taking on the full weight of my sins and of your sins, the father said, I can't stand to look at him. And then Jesus is able to cry out, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani," Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why he was forsaken? Because God was remaking. <laughs> it passed over my hand, yours. Do you know why Jesus was forsaken? Because in Christ, he was remaking a new man. He wanted sons and daughters. So he said, son, I need you to receive all that is coming your way. Because I want to remake a new man. The first Adam dropped the ball. But in the second Adam, I'm going to raise up a new man. You see, oh my God, Holy Ghost. When you are, I don't know how many of your doctors or your nurses, you've been in the hospital room where there's operation going on. When there's operation going on, The person who is being operated on needs to go to sleep. Because there's just certain things you don't need to see during that time. Jesus, in a sense, was put to sleep. So that the father could do this operation of restoring the broken relationship that we had with him in Adam. For me, that explains the darkness part. The son of man was cut off. You see, the Bible says he is the light of the world. So when he was cut off from the light in the father, this was the reflection that we got, darkness. Verse uh, 46, come on. And listen to this. And I said it just a few minutes ago. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. And he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. That is, my God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of this, say this, say this, say all of this was his Friday. Man, what a weekend. Eventually, after he said this, the Bible goes on to say that he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And Jesus gave up the ghost. Oh, yeah. Now. His body was brought down from the cross. Joseph of Arimathea told Pontius Pilate, give me the body. <laughs> Joseph takes the body. They embalm the body. They wrap the body. They take the body. And they put the body in the tomb, which was really his. He paid for that for himself. But there's just something about giving God first dibs. Shucks, man. Listen to me. I don't know if you understand what I'm about to say. There is something about giving God the priority that is necessary. Joseph of Arimathea, had he had not given Jesus that tomb, nobody would be talking about that tomb today. Are you hearing me? This tomb is one of the most visited historical sites in the world. It exists in the Middle East. It's there. We all go there. People pay, people I mean, people do whole, I mean, they, they go all the way, spend all that money to go see a grave that is empty. Ah, somebody hear me. Spend all that money to go see a, oh, he is not in the grave. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive in me and you. That grave belonged to Joseph of Arimathea who gave Jesus first dibs. There's something about when you give the Lord your life. He causes people to come from all nations to see him in you. Okay. So that's Friday. Like I said earlier, I wanted to name this sermon, but what about Saturday? Because quite frankly, let me say it like this. We talk about Friday, we talk about Sunday, but we don't really consider Saturday. Let me tell you what happened on Saturday. If you read your word, it's all there. <laughs> it's all there. Tell your neighbors, it's all there. Go to 27, 62 to 66. After he's died. Oh, somebody hear me. No, um, give me 62 to 66. There we go. On the next day, Saturday, which followed the day of preparation, these same chief priests and these same Pharisees, they gathered together to Pilate, next verse, saying, sir, hey, real humble with it too, they know not to jump out there with Pontius Pilate. He would deal with them. Pontius Pilate told him, this man is innocent, and he still wanted to kill him. So he's, kind of, he's not feeling too well about them anyway. Huh? He said, sir, we remember while he was still alive. <laughs> Newsflash, he didn't die like they thought he did. Huh? He was, how that deceiver, they called Jesus a deceiver, said, after three days, I will rise. Oh, so the devil know what time it is too? He sure does. Oh, you know what time it is. My question to you and to me today, do you know what time it is? According to scripture, these guys on Saturday morning went to Pontius Pilate and said, we remember what he said. We remember what he said. Oh, that on the third day he will rise. Go to verse 64. Let's see it. Huh? Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Say the third day. Say the third day. 
There's something about the power of three. Lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. Listen to me. They were afraid of the gospel. <laughs> this is the gospel that Jesus is alive. And the devil knows the power of the gospel. He will do whatever in his little power to try to shut us down, but he's a failing enemy. He said, huh? lest his disciples come and say that he's risen. So the, listen, 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 listen. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Oh man, come on, man. Y'all playing with this gospel. Verse 65, let's go. Listen. Then Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as, sec <laughs> Make it as secure as you know how. It's as if the same Pontius Pilate is saying, go try your best. <laughs> go try your luck. Satan, go try your best. Demons, go try your best. Anxiety, go, come on, come on, come on, come on. Bring it. Because what you don't understand is the power that's inside of me is able to settle the matter on the third day. Oh, hallelujah. You go try what you can. I've given you access. Go do what you got to do. And you best believe it. Verse 66 says this. 66. So they went... And they made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. So they set the stage for the story to be great. What looks like a setback is really a setup for God's reflection and his greatness. They did all they could to stop what God was about to do. And I know there have been enemies, there have been problems, there have been things lining up. Look, COVID thought it could come for an entire year to stop this gospel from leaving this house. But all the enemy did, all that he tried to do has caused us to expand beyond our borders. And you will see it in a second. Huh? I told you, I know what happened on Saturday because the Bible talks about it. Because the Bible talks about it. And let's go to Psalm. Uh, you know what? First, before we go to Psalm, let's go to John chapter 2, verse 19 to 21. Real quickly, let's look at this. Because Jesus did speak about tearing down the temple and building it back up. In John chapter 2, he says this. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Say, raise it up. He said it. Well, there's no speculations about it. He said it. He said, in three days I will raise it up. Go to the verse 20. Let's go. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? Go to the next verse. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And what dawned on me was the fact that the enemy, the enemy might know what God has said, but the enemy does not have the revelation that comes in the word. There's something called rhema, that aha moment. I love that Pastor P said it two weeks ago. He said pop-ups. They heard that he would tear down the temple and build it up. And they said, it took us 46, as it said, well, it took us 46 years. Bro, he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about this. And so he allowed himself to be crucified and buried. Okay, I want to set something up so you can see it here. Go to Psalm 16, verse 10. This is so good. Jesus' body was buried, but Jesus' spirit went somewhere. This is on Saturday. All of this happened on Saturday. Jesus' body was buried, but Jesus' spirit, the Bible says, for you would not leave my soul in Sheol. Sheol. The Greeks call it Hades. Hmm? He said, 
You will not leave my soul in Sheol or Hades. Many confuse what he's saying with hell. It's not necessarily the hell of torment. If you're familiar with the story of Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus was in Sheol. Some call it paradise. Eh? Some call it the place of the righteous dead. It was not a place of torment. And literally, Lazarus could see the rich ruler, but as he was begging for water because he's in the place of torment in hell and he's crying, this is all BC before Christ came out the grave, okay? And he's crying for water and Abraham tells him, it's called Abraham's bosom, he tells him, even if I wanted to give you water, there's a great chasm that I can't do what it is you're asking me to do. That's the place that Jesus' soul went to, spirit went to, where David was being kept, where all of the righteous dead were being kept. Yeah? And it says, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption or decay. So let me say something to you. Jesus went to hell to go through hell. Somebody don't miss what just happened. Jesus went to hell to go through hell. And I know sometimes they feel like you're in hell, but you need to tell yourself, I'm going to go through it. Because the same Jesus that went to hell or Sheol to, hold on, let me tell you what the scripture says so I don't make this stuff up. Hmm? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see something. Ephesians 4, 8 to 10. He says, therefore, speaking of Jesus, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity, say captivity, captive, and gave gifts to men. Go to the next verse. Now, Paul is very, very logical in his, in, in, in his approach. He said, now this, he ascended. What does it mean then, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? In order for Jesus, the king, who died for my sins and for yours to ascend, the father had to be satisfied with the sacrifice. Are you hearing me? The father had to had, I mean, whatever, whatever was broken in the garden had to be fully satisfied in order for Jesus to ascend. In other words, when he said it is finished, guess what? It was done. There was nothing else left to do. So Paul is saying after he descended into the lower parts, he went down there and he grabbed everyone that was held captive in this place, in this place of the righteous dead. He gathered all the, the, the Rahab, you know Rahab, right? Y'all heard the story of Rahab, the David, yeah, the Solomon, the Hezekiah, the Nehemiah, all of them saints that had died. Noah, even Adam, grabbed them all. And he led them, ascended with them. And they're now seated in the assembly of the saints in this everlasting presence. People of God, don't play with this thing. All of this happened on Saturday. Did you know that? Did y'all know that? All of this happened on Saturday. We don't talk much about Saturday. Let me tell you a little bit about Saturday. You see, for me, Saturday is that day when I know God made a promise for me. He made a promise to me. He said there were certain things that were going to happen for me. There were going to be certain things that happened. And, and, I, and I, got, I got excited. I danced on the empty grave. <laughs> and I said, oh, God, you're so good. 
Year one, I don't see it. Oh God, you're so good. Rebo, so Korea, blah, blah, blah. I'm in the prayer meetings I'm pursuing. Year four. God, where is it now? I've been waiting. Year eight. <laughs> I've been praying. Year 25. Ask Abraham, he'll tell you about it. That was Saturday. Where it seemed like nothing was happening for you. Where it seemed like the son of man, the son of God was on that cross. He got murdered. He got buried. And as for the disciples, they all scattered in fear. Saturday. It seemed like nothing was going to happen. It seemed like nothing was working out. It seemed like all hope was lost. But turn to your neighbor if you're online. Turn to your virtual neighbor and say, but there was Sunday. Oh, shucks. We dance on an empty grave. We have over. Come on, I want to hear it. We have over. We have overcome. When it seemed like nothing was happening, Jesus was behind the scene orchestrating the greatest thing ever done on earth. What a weekend. When it seemed like no doors were opening and every, everything, hell was laughing. Cat, 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 we got him. He ain't say he was the son of God. We came. Sorry, that's a little bit of Liberian coming out of me. We get it, man. The man said he was God. Lord, we took care of business. I had to. That's the only way I could get it out the way I wanted to. You understand me? Okay? We killed him. Oh, Saturday. Saturday. Oh, watch out. There's a Sunday. Listen, I'm going to wrap it up right here. Matthew 28, 1 to 6. We're going to finish right here. Matthew 28, 1 to 6. Listen to Sunday's testimony. What a weekend. Now, after the Sabbath, which is Saturday, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene, say there's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. Nah, not Mary Jane, Mary of Magdalene. Yeah, some of y'all out here, 420 is coming, I know you're happy. I'm talking about Mary Magdalene, not Mary Jane. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Verse 2. Verse 2. Come on, let's rock, let's rock. And behold, say behold. There was an earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Very disrespectful angel. All that work the chief priests and the Pharisees did, all the efforts that hell did to cause problems. You see, somebody said it like this. Jesus did not need for the stone to be rolled away. He could have walked through the wall. That resurrected body can do all kinds of stuff you've never heard of. And he showed it to us. But the reason why the angel came, oh, somebody, to, to, to cause the earth to shake, to cause the stone to move, was so that us, we, them, the world could see that his body is no longer in the grave. Somebody give him glory. He did not have to move the stone. But you see, the stone represented their efforts to keep God silent. Oh, but listen, the stone being rolled away was God saying, ha, 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 fool, I'm God. I'm not cussing in church, I promise. The Bible says any man who said that, that there's no God, he is a fool. So that's biblical. Right? I'm, I'm right, right? I'm, I read the Bible sometimes. Huh? 
Sometimes I try. Roll back the stone from the door and the angel sat on it. God is sitting on your problems. Why are you crying at night you can't sleep? God is sitting on your enemies. Why are you wondering if it's over? Okay. Verse 3. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. Next verse. And the guards, the ones that they put there to keep God in a box. <laughs> Every time you try to keep God in a box, he will shock you. He has no limits. He knows no limitations. Huh? The guards, I mean, can you imagine they saying, like, yeah, I dare his disciples to come. Jesus didn't need the help of disciples. He said, look, if I wanted to, I will cause 72,000 angels to come and fight for me. I don't have to even lift up a finger. These angels... Their continents, their very continents is like lightning. When's the last time you saw lightning strike? It's no joke. This one angel came and caused the earth to shake, and these guards were so afraid, and they, be, and they became like what? Come on, look at it. They became like what? They became like what? But I thought you came to stop a dead man. <laughs> I thought you came to guard the body of a dead man. How is it that now you are acting like a dead man? Hey, the Bible said, do unto others as you will have them do unto you. So you came to stop my body, I stopped your body. Man, God is off the chain. You came to hinder me, you didn't realize that it was a setup for my glory to be revealed. And it became at, like, like those, uh, like those, uh, like those soldiers in uh, London, the ones that, People be trying to mess with them to get them. Because if I move, I'm dead. That's these guys' story. They wasn't moving. Next verse. But the angel, listen, listen, listen. Here is the, here is the, here's the climax of the story. All of this is happening in one weekend. What kind of weekend is this? Say what a weekend. But the angel answered and said to the women, shout out to all my sisters in the house, because I don't know where Peter was, all that big mouth he had. I don't know where John was. Oh, that, oh, he loves me more than you. Shout out to my sisters who are willing to go the extra mile. Man, women got a different brand they made out of. Amen. No offense. Sometimes I be looking like my wife like she is superwoman. I'm going to sit right here and watch her do that thing, whatever that is. The way she be cooking, it's like super. Never disrespect our women, young men. Honor your mother, young women. God used women to preach the gospel first. Are you hearing me? Real talk. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who, listen to me, was crucified. Next verse. Tell your neighbor he is not here. <laughs> Say he is not here. Say he is not there. Say, if you're looking for him in the grave, he's not there. You see, Buddha is still in the grave. Somebody, he's not there. Hare Krishna is in the grave. My goodness. Muhammad in the grave. But Jesus, no evidence of a body found. Somebody hear me. You don't believe in some hocus pocus foolishness. Don't take what you believe lightly. God is not dead. He is alive in you and in me. He is not here for he is risen as he what? Said, come 
and see the place where the Lord laid. Now, it's even said that he folded up the grave clothes. Oh, I'm, I promise you I'm going to end on this note right here. Right here, I'm going to end right here. We'll do the communion. When I, when I think about it, I'm like, Lord, you ain't have to do all that. Why? I mean, just get out the grave clothes and walk around like you know. Let the glory show up. But he wanted to remind us of something I believe in. And this is just me picking something out of the verse that I believe can be applicable. He folded the clothes to remind us that he's a God of order. He folded his clothes to remind us that he's a God of order. He's a God of decency. Young men, hear me. Young women, hear me. Don't allow your life to be governed by chaos and confusion. Something as simple as getting up every morning and making your bed is a discipline you need to pick up. Oh, Pastor V, you're talking about house chores? No, I'm talking about discipline and order. He folded his, look, learn how to do your laundry and fold your clothes. Ah, you saw that one in the Bible too? Yeah, Jesus folded his grave clothes. Some of y'all on your way to college, you want your mommy to come down and do it for you? Let me turn my back on some of them. Learn decency and order because you represent the king of kings and the lord of lords. You represent the alpha and the omega. You represent the beginning and the end. You represent the almighty God. So he folded the grave clothes and he showed him I'm not there. Somebody listen to me. What a weekend this was. I just, I just spent the last 45 minutes explaining Jesus' three-day experience. I left out a lot of things, and I'm sure there are still a lot of things we need to learn. But the one thing you need to leave here with tonight, whether you're watching or you're here, is that he is risen, and he is risen indeed. And not only that, but he's risen, and he's risen in me and in you. Every head bow, every eye closed. My prayer is that this weekend, this resurrection weekend, as we've considered Friday, as we've remembered Saturday, and we're focused on Sunday, let every day be a day where you are constantly seeking to know his will. I want us to spend the next minute or two just contemplating on what happened those three days. Friday on the cross, Saturday in the grave, Sunday out of the grave. Take a minute. Just tell him thank you. None of the things that we just said or none of the things that we do day after day would even be possible had he had not done this weekend on my behalf and on your behalf. Father, we thank you. We thank you. If you, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord tonight and you just, you feel so disconnected, you need to understand all that stuff you went through was for you. If you were the only person on the planet, he would have gone through the exact same situation because he did not come to save himself. He came to save you and me, broken people in need of a savior. If you're here and you're watching or you're in this room and you don't have that kind of relationship and you don't know the Lord, just simply say this after me and say, Lord Jesus, today I have heard the story of your death 
burial and resurrection and my desire is that I may know you personally Lord Jesus like the thief on the cross I recognize you as my Lord and as my Savior thank you for saving me in Jesus name I want us to prepare our hearts to take the communion whether you're at home or you're in this house stand as we prepare to honor the body of our Lord the blood of our Lord that which he has done for you and for me you know as he sat at the table with the disciples during this Passover I mean man Jesus is he's, he's amazing he sat at his table knowing he was about to die a death he did not deserve to give us a life we could never earn so he said this in Matthew 26 starting at verse 26 Matthew 26 it says as they were eating Jesus took bread he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body I want us to take out the bread this very moment if you're home take a piece of bread away from whatever you have and I want you to consider what he meant when he said take eat this is my body the Lord was saying have fellowship and communion with me for all time and eternity you and I have been given access to eternal healing and eternal life now I would ask you to take the bread and let's partake of it in Jesus name thank you Jesus thank you thank you it then goes on to say in verse 26 then he took the cup 27 then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you that's the fellowship that we have tonight drink 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 don't come here and be dry drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant. Oh, come on. Which is shed for many. In verse 28. Say many. For the remission of sins or the removal of sins. As we drink this cup, it simply, simply put, symbolizes our eternal relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. When God sees me, he no longer sees sin. When God sees you, he no longer sees sin. Let us partake and give him glory. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your body. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the newness of life that we have because of the new covenant that you've given us. Father, I thank you that by your spirit today, you have reminded us and made it clear that we are sons of God because the son of God lives in us father we give you glory and we give you honor in Jesus name and the body of Christ say and the body of Christ say and the body of Christ say